Welcome to the Parent Podcast, where each week we'll discuss topics relevant to parents. Whether you are expecting the arrival of your first child or have kids preparing to graduate from college, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll bring on different guests who will provide their expertise and perspective in an effort to remind you that you are not alone in this journey and encourage you as you raise and lead your family. Welcome, everybody, to The Parent Podcast. This is Robert Nash, children's pastor at Autumn Ridge Church in Rochester, Minnesota, joined once again by my fearless, slightly sore co-host, Derek yeah. Freed, student pastor. How are you, Derek? I'm doing all right. How you sh- are you? You sure? You're okay? I'm okay. I don't like you right now because sure. you made me lift weights. I did. Uh, and now I'm sore. Yeah. But it's okay. No pain, no gain. It's going to be good in the long run. In the long run, you will be very but happy. I, stop talking about me because we got more important people here. We certainly do. a special co-host today. We do have a special co-host, Woo! Taylor McDowell, <laughs> who is the elementary director here at Autumn Ridge Church. Taylor Welcome to the Parent Podcast. Hey, I'm so excited to be here tonight with you guys. Well, now I'm going to be real honest with everybody and I'm going to share what you told us. You don't even like podcasts and you're still here because you love this one so much. Yes. Now that is not because you're on my staff and you're being forced to say that either. Um, Moving on. (laughs) We're glad you're here, Taylor. And we have a a secretly though. Yeah. She, she hates podcasts, but secretly she loves this podcast. Well, yes. Who wouldn't? I agree with that. Probably Blink podcast twice, of the help. year. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a thing, but it certainly could be. And we are joined today with our special guest, Brooke Kashu, who has written an amazing children's book titled Good News for Me. Brooke, welcome to the Parent Podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, so tell us just a little bit about yourself, about your background, and uh, then we'll jump into the book. I um, moved to Minnesota about three years ago, and that's right after I had my first child, Vanessa. She's three now, and then I have another little one, Harrison, who's one. And my background is just I'm my background is I'm an attorney, but I stay home now with my kids. I'm just a mom, and just a mom, just, a mom. just a mom. like that's not like <laughs> the most noble full time job ever. I'm leaving that one in there. <laughs> But the kids started getting old enough to ask questions, started wanting to have a clearer idea of what to say to them and how to articulate the gift of salvation. That's where you came up with the idea for the book. That's right. You have a three-year-old. They start asking questions like, hey, you know, who's Jesus? Why is he important? What are we supposed to do with this information? And did you just all of a sudden one day think to yourself, you know what? This would make a fantastic book for children. Or was, you know, did someone encourage you along the way? How did the book really come about? There really wasn't a plan to write a book at all. The goal was, I I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I wanted to just find a book that I could read that talked about the gospel in sort of like a holistic, complete way. And I literally just could not find one. And I have, you know, all the children's Bibles that they print and all the Christian Bible stories, which I love and which are so important. But I wanted something to sort of synthesize that. So when we're reading about Jesus or something from the Old Testament, um, just wanting to find a way to, to bring that back to like the gospel and help um, those things all make sense for the kids. Um, you know, like, why why did Jesus die for my sin? Like, why is that important? Do I sin? What is sin? Why is Jesus' death, you know, adequate for that? Why isn't someone else? Just all those, like, kind of theological questions that underpin some of the stories that you expose your kids to. And I just didn't find anything. So I wrote the text of this just because off the cuff, I wasn't always doing a great job. <laughs> and I felt like I was either leaving something out or trying to go too far into it like she's two and I'm trying to like explain the trinity it's just like not always (laughs) but you know you want to be complete and you don't want to um 
say things that aren't right either in, in the goal with the goal being to simplify it, but in a way that's accurate. So it took time to kind of break it down in my own head and write it out. And, and then eventually my husband, he's very entrepreneurial. So he's the one who's like, hey, you should get an illustrator and publish it. Pictures in this book are, are beautiful. You provided us several copies, which we handed out to families on Easter. And the people that kind of flipped through it as they were walking, like they'd stop and turn back and say, who, who made the pictures? This is a beautiful book. So who was the illustrator? So the illustrator was Sandra Hergott. She's from Australia. She wow. is a believer. Her husband's a pastor. And yeah, I thought I thought she was just amazingly talented. I I looked a lot at different artists and different styles and picked her because I just thought her her style was very beautiful. Awesome. So you mentioned, you know, you have a lot of children's books and you lot all the different children's Bibles out there, but they didn't really come together in in the way you were wanting to tell the story of of the good news, the story of salvation. And I've found that to be true. Uh, Taylor, I don't know, you know, with with your daughter, you probably have several books right now. No, I completely agree with what you guys are saying. You actually sent it to me to preview. I remember when you were about to put it on Amazon and I was just blown away and I was just looking at it on my phone and I just could not wait to get it in my hands and and read it with Chandler. Uh, we definitely are enjoying it. She's only one, but I cannot wait to to continue with that with like just like you do with Vanessa just continue to read this to her. You don't hold back in this. I mean, you you tackle the topic, right? There's there's a page in there saying, "Hey, sin is a very bad thing and the punishment for sin is death, which mm-hmm. leads to hell." And I mean, were you concerned at all about that, you know, in a, in a children's book talking about something like hell and sin and all that? Have you gotten any pushback on it? Yeah, I really did struggle with how much to include. I I didn't want to put in more than I didn't want to make it harsher than was necessary for kids because I wanted it to be appropriate. But at the end of the day, I was trying to just do the fundamental building block. I don't think you can tell the gospel message like without first acknowledging that. And I just Mm -hmm. couldn't see a way around it. And one of the things that kind of kept me honest as I was going through each page is I in the back, like there's scripture references for every Mm -hmm. page. So if there's a reference in there that you're not sure about or you're not sure if it's biblical, you can go to the back and see the verse that I thought corresponded to that. And I did get some pushback from it. I mean, I tried, like I reached out to people who I cared about because I wanted it to be done well. And there were some people who were concerned that it would be too intense, but at the end of the day, I just didn't think that I could leave that part out. There can't be good news if there's no bad news, right? right? So, And the other like corresponding, I, I thought we had to talk about the punishment for sin is death because then it made it make sense that Jesus died. Like those things correspond. So that was the other reason that I thought it was important to include death and not just hell. So it's born out of you trying to to share with your children the story of the good news, which is something I know parents, even of older kids, right? They they struggle with. And I mean, I've had many conversations, Derek, you probably have over the years in ministry where parents will bring their children to us and like, well, can you explain it? Because they don't feel confident enough. But I mean, you not only felt confident, you wrote a book about it. So let's let's turn our attention a little bit more to that then in the conversation parents should have with their children about, you know, what it is we believe. So your daughter was is three. Is that about the time she started asking questions? So I started writing it shortly after she turned two. Okay. Because that's sort of when I felt like she was starting to really pay attention when we were reading books. Mm -hmm. And I noticed the types of books she was drawn to and sort of the level, like the number of sentences per page that she was okay with. So I kind of geared it toward that younger age, knowing that she wouldn't be able to really understand it in its totality until later, but kind of wanting to at least plant the seed. Did you have in mind an age where you thought, this book will actually start to 
click with them that they'll understand what's in there? Well, I only, my oldest is three, so I don't have a great, I don't understand older kids very well beyond like the age that mine are. But um, I did teach third grade Sunday school. So I, for, for several years, so I was thinking about those kids, I think when I was writing it as well as maybe like the upper age range where it wouldn't necessarily feel too primary. But I mean, I, I think like an adult could read it mm-hmm. <laughs> and learn a lot mm-hmm. and kind of get like the fun, fundamental tenets of salvation in there. So I, the goal was for it to be 100% accurate because one of my little pet peeves um, in some of the children's books we have are that, you know, they're trying to simplify it for kids, which is so good. But in doing so, sometimes it's actually there's stuff in there that's like not correct. A lot of children's programs, Christian children's programs, right? We take the Bible stories and with the best intentions, I'm sure, but we make them way more child-friendly than the story actually is, right? I mean, Noah's Ark, that's always the big children's story. Like, this man built a big boat, and he had a lot of animals, and it was awesome. Hmm. Well, yeah, and everyone else died. I think what you're getting at is we tend to dampen down the reality and truth of stories so that we, because we think that will make it palatable or better for kids. Mm -hmm. And so we take out things that are important in the story so that it's more easily consumable, I guess, for students. So in Student Ministries, we just did a whole Daniel series. And there's some stories in the book of Daniel that they are classic children's ministry stories, right? Like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the fiery furnace, like Daniel in the lion's den. Hanging out with the lions. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I think in those stories, there are large pieces of those stories that we just completely get rid of to make the story more either enjoyable for a kid or uh, palatable for a kid. And so in our whole series, like half of the time, whenever we get to one of those stories, I'd say like, hey, you probably know this story, but my guess is you don't know these parts of it. Yeah, I never knew that. Yeah. You know, it's it's cool to hear someone saying like, I want all of the story to be in there and not bits and pieces or parts or kind of cherry pick the things that I like, but I want the whole story in there. Well, I think, you know, I mean, certainly there's a place for telling the nice part of the story. You know, when kids are really little, uh, you probably do this with Chandler, is that we want them to know yeah, God loves you very much. The danger becomes the more and more we tell just the good part of the story, one day when they figure out like the other parts of the story, they, they then have to juggle with, well, which one is it? Mm-hmm. You know, is is God this nice, loving God, or was he this mean guy? And, you know, for better or for worse, you approach that. But but again, your book just tackles it head on. I, there's a page in here I just was looking at where it's describing sin, right? How do you describe sin to a kid? We, we ran into that at Easter a couple of weekends ago. But, you know, sin is the bad stuff we do that, that God doesn't want us to do. And in here, you have just a, such a simple but great example of, sometimes I'm stubborn, and I'm selfish. And if that doesn't describe, you know, any child to a T, yeah, they're, yeah, we're not being mean. Children are selfish. They're, they're very much focused on themselves. And, you know, fact remains, that's what leads to sometimes the sinful behavior. And, and you go right into that. Yeah, it was definitely a, a long process of trying to be comprehensive without being needlessly inappropriate for the age. And, you know, salvation is simple, but sound theology is complex in a way. Like it ta- there's a lot that goes into to good theology and um, wanting to 
include everything in there that was correct without giving false impressions one way or the other. Um, like I wanted to be really careful not to preach a gospel of works, but I also didn't want to preach a gospel that didn't include repentance. And so trying to explain how those things coexist and how it's important to obey God, but how that those things are evidence of faith and not how you're like, I don't know that kids are going to always pick up on those distinctions, but I did try to make it accurate in there. And I struggled with like how to present it just right. I'm not sure I did a perfect job or tried really hard to make it as minimal age appropriate, but you know, sound. Honest. Yeah. Well, another example here uh, near the end, you kind of go through, how do I get into this relationship with Jesus? Right. And you, and you go through it, you know, first I confess my sin, admit that I do bad things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I can repent, but you explain that word. I choose to turn uh, from my sin. The last part says, I love Jesus so much that I stop my sin and obey him, which is kind of like, you know, trying to avoid the works where we obey Jesus out of our love for him. But what I really like is on the very next page, will it be easy? Capital letters on a line by itself. (laughs) No, you know, and that's important, right? That's something that sometimes even the best pastors miss. We teach a lesson. We have the best intentions as, you know, again, but we sometimes lead people to think, no, this will be a cinch and you'll never mess up again and life will be rainbows and unicorns and just perfection for you. And so when a person does sin or does go back to their bad habits, right, they, well, I guess I'm not really a Christian then. And that's that's just not the case. So I appreciate the, the, the straightforwardness and the honesty within this book that not just for kids, it's it's something adults need to be reminded of too. Thank you. That, that page was a direct result. My grandma Wrote, we was very concerned. She had read one of my drafts and was very concerned that it would make kids feel discouraged that if they ever sinned, that they weren't saved. <laughs> and I, I like, I'm glad I was getting feedback like that throughout. And it also gave me an excuse. I really wanted to get all three persons of the Trinity in there, and I got the Holy Spirit in there, and <laughs> felt like I was a little bit more complete, even though I wasn't able to fully explain like how they're three in one, but. At least they were all in there so that they would get, at least get exposure. God made all things. Jesus died for my sins. The Holy Spirit lives in my heart. <laughs> it's an excellent job of getting the entire Trinity in there. I'm not going to lie. That's a difficult task to pull off sometimes. <laughs> so I'm curious, as you thought about this book and, and crafting it, my guess is that you created this book as an opportunity for parents to use it to then have conversations with their kids about the material that's in it, right? Like you, I, my guess is you didn't create the book to be an end in and of itself, but an, an opening. So how would you maybe encourage or speak with parents about opening up those conversations with their kids and how might this book help? Well, I think one of the, the things that I kind of decided at the end that ended up being a more important part of the book than I expected was those like very specific scripture references where the scripture is actually printed at the end. So I think like as a springboard for parents talking with their kids, one of the main things to reiterate is that like what parents think doesn't matter. Like what's in scripture is what matters. And so parents can be confused and I can be confused or whatever. And we need to turn to scripture to make sure that what we're teaching our children is correct. And so a starting point is a, I mean, I, I think the theology is faust in the book of sound, but if there's a question on that, the first thing that you could do is go to the verse in there and see like, what is scripture? What's this one scripture verse, at least in the book on there and go from there to look further in scripture to see, you know, what, what backs that up. I mean, I'm a big fan of systematic theology if you're looking at like a certain specific subset of like, you know, redemption or whatever, like trying to understand what scripture as a whole says about that. 
But I think for parents, I think this is like a very sound starting point for for parents and for kids. And if you read it through and you get the scripture references, I think you have a pretty holistic start um, if you don't want to go and buy Grudem's, you know, systematic theology just yet. <laughs> That's really more for like the eight, nine year old exactly. crowd. Right? Exactly. And, there. and you have four pages of the references in there and just flipping through. I mean, it, it covers an awful lot. I mean, the potential, yeah, this is a children's book for them to to read and, you know, start conversations. You know, maybe a parent that wasn't raised in church or, you know, kind of casually attends church could be impacted by this book is is very real. I mean, it's it's got a huge age range on it. I hope so. That's definitely the goal. So you mentioned that your daughter had questions. What type of questions did she have? Because I'm sure it's it's similar questions for a lot of families out there. So what type of questions did she ask? I think one of the springboards for her questions is we do a catechism with her. And so it's it's like 80 questions long. She listens to it twice a day. And then we she has like about 15 of the questions memorized so far. And real so, quick, real quick for anybody that may not know catechism. Can oh, you tell us what that is? Um, it's just sort of a series of question and answers that um, details the fundamental tenets of Christian faith. So like the first question is, who made you? And then she answers, God made me. And I say, what else did God make? And she says, God made all things. And we go through like all the kind of fundamentals. And so she was getting a lot of her questions from that. Um, there's a question, you know, can I see God? And the answer is, no, I cannot see God, but he always sees me. So she'll ask me, you know, I can't see. What, what does that mean? Or, or she'll do something bad and she'll say, God's sad, you know. <laughs> and you'll say, well, yes, you know, and she'll say, I'm bad. And I, you know, I'm not obeying God. And you'll say, well, yes, that is bad. And is, is mommy bad? You know, are, is mommy ever bad? Does mommy ever make God sad? No. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it's mommy does. You, so just like, you know, the things that come up in every day um, in the way that we talk about sin and forgiveness and how to be reconciled. And for whatever reasons, Vanessa's favorite page is um, the one that talks about faith. Whenever we turn that page, she always says, Sessa has faith. And <laughs> it says, if I believe Jesus died for my sins and I choose to repent and follow or choose to obey and follow him, that means I have faith. And for whatever reason, that like has always really resonated with her. And so she'll always say, Sessa has faith. And I'll say, well, do you believe Jesus died for your sins? You know, she's like, hmm, yeah. You know, she's not always solid <laughs> on the answers, but um, she... I don't know. You can just kind of see there are different things that are interesting to her. Which is important because some questions that our kids ask, number one, they're really deep, like surprisingly deep. Like, where did you come up with that at all? But a lot of the times parents kind of they shy away from, you know, answering the question or taking it head on. And it's real easy <laughs> at the early ages, at least, to uh, to distract them to something else. Oh, is that Blue's Clues on TV? Why don't you watch that? We'll come back to that but you're probably going to forget, so it doesn't matter. But that illustrates how important it is. Parents really shouldn't be scared of the questions. They should be honest if they don't know the answer to tell them, you know what, I don't know, but we can find out together. We can go look that up. We can research that. That's vital for parents to do, certainly. And I, I think kids are sometimes smarter than we give them credit for. Oh, absolutely. And I think sometimes they know when they're like coasting on a falsehood. And I, some, something that comes to mind is like anxiety or fear in kids. Like, oh, what if something bad happens to mom? And your instinct is to be like, that's never going to happen. Don't worry about it. But realistically, it's unlikely, but it could happen. So it's not great to have your only defense be, it's just not going to happen because sometimes it does happen. And so a better defense is to say, well, it probably won't happen. If it does, like, what would you do? Like, God would be in control. Do you think that God could take care of you? Do you think that he knows what's best for you? Like, and that, I think, sets you up better, especially into adulthood, et cetera, where you start to realize that there are a lot of things in the world that aren't as good as we want them to be. And 
to prevent sort of that crisis of faith that comes when bad things happen to good people sort of thing. Um, it's good to start early and not um, kind of premise faith on sort of soft falsehoods. Sure. Have you been asked a question that you didn't know a good answer for? Just a, or maybe even a really difficult one that, you, you know, you, you know, let me go wash the dishes and ponder <laughs> that for a little bit. I try to stay pretty up on theology um, so I don't get unprepared. Um, I think the, the hardest ones were just like connecting things to salvation and struggling to tie things together in a way that could be explained before her interest was lost because she has questions, but her attention span is like 30 seconds. And so it's like, you can sit down, we can talk for 10 minutes. I can like flush this out for you and we can read a couple chapters, but like for a two-year-old, that's not going to cut it. Break out a dry erase board and yes, some diagrams for you. (laughs) Yeah. So then for, you know, for parents, we we don't want to shy away. We want to answer their questions uh, directly and as honestly as possible, which, which we've talked a lot about on previous episodes too. Um, But for a parent that, doesn't quite know how to approach just like, well, yes, here's sin, which you've described already for us. Um, how would you go into the rest of it? I mean, obviously, the simple answer is, well, you can go buy the book. I know uh. that. I know that. I know that. <laughs> but for somebody maybe that doesn't have access to the book right away, how how would they approach that question? The question of the definition of sin? Yeah. I mean, you, you have to read the Bible. You have to know what is in there. I wish there were like an easier answer, sure. but it, there's it, that's like one of the biggest problems in the world is, today is that kind of misunderstanding of like what is love and what is forgiveness. And it like we need to define love and sin as scripture defines it. So there's really like no short way out of just like probably start in the New Testament and uh, and go from there to understand like the Bible is how we understand how to obey God and how to love God. And there's just no like answer outside of that. That's fair. So we described sin. Well, Jesus died for your sin. Why? Because it was the only way. Why? What would you say to that? Because the punishment for sin is death. When you disobey God, I mean, we know what the Bible says. So does the Bible say that it's okay to be mean to your brother? No. Are you sometimes mean to your brother? Yes. Does that make God sad? Yes. Is that a sin? Yes. What's the punishment for sin? Well, the punishment for sin is death. It means you have to go to a bad place called hell. And But God loves you so much that he has made a way to forgive that, even though right now you're under punishment. That's like that's the gospel. And I, I always hesitate. I mean, it's so important for kids to know, like, you can't have the gospel without the cross. But there's sort of a a tendency to just want to say, like, oh, well, Jesus just died for your sins. And it kind of feels like it happened in a vacuum. Right. And I mean, yeah, we're we're talking about stories that happened a very long time ago. The pic, you know, some of the pictures are like, of course, the clothing's different. And so there's this huge disconnect for kids to really understand that how personal this is for them. Something we do in on children's ministry for for talking about what Jesus did is, you know, you're you're playing catch in the house after your mom or dad told you not to play catch. Is that wrong? Yeah, you're disobeying. That ball you're playing catch with smashes into the TV. The TV's broken. Mom and dad going to be happy? No, they're not. Do you deserve to be punished? Yes, I do. Mom and dad are about to punish you. Then somebody knocks at the door, and that person's like, "Hey, I know what your kid did." I know you're about to punish them, ground them, you know, send them to the room, whatever. Don't do that. I'll take the punishment. Ask the kids, does that make any sense at all to you? No. Should that person be punished for something you yourself did? No, that's weird. That's what Jesus did, mm-hmm. right? He took it for you, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's important to, to, in order to kind of escape that vacuum of just making it, 
speaking in words that right. they understand without completely changing the story or watering it down, like right. you said. Yeah, that definitely keeps it from becoming like a platitude. So I'm just sitting here thinking um, just about elementary age, because that's like what I'm in charge of. And I taught first grade for many years. And like, yes, you you created this book for the younger kids in mind and like excited to use it for the older older kids and just listening to you talk about like the parents diving into the last few pages of the verses. And I'm even thinking like, even like the elementary or even older kids could look at this book. And it's like, if they're new to faith, like it just lays it out. It's like, you don't just have like the bones and the meat, you have just the meat. I mean, it's just like, you can just devour this book. And it's just so helpful for any age, honestly. And then you get those references. And it's like, yes, parents can use them, but they can also use them for their elementary kids. Like if the kid already knows these core faith um, aspects, it's like they can now read the references that you have laid out. I think that's a huge deal. Like you were saying, like you read books, other books to Vanessa and um, Harrison, and I read books to Chandler and they don't necessarily have have all of this in it and now you're giving us the references and it's like as she grows I can just add that on it's like we're going to read the book but then we're also going to grab the bible and we're going to see exactly where this comes from and that really is exciting it's going to grow with her in more ways than I even imagined before sitting here with you so that's really exciting I think one thing that's important as we talk about like having these conversations with kids and even young kids is keeping in mind that it can be very easy to let our conversations with them slide into a kind of works-based religious thinking. Like you'll be okay with Jesus because you do the right things or because you obey for the sake of obeying and and things of that nature. And, and I think for parents, it's important to, in those conversations, really make a significant effort to make sure that it's not all about God just wants you to just do the right things to just do the right things or God's waiting for you to mess up. It's the gospel grace based. God loves you so much. He did this for you and he will continue to love you. But I think it can really easily slide into now you have to like do the right things to like make it happen or keep it up. And so I think like that's something for parents just to keep in mind as you're having those conversations with your kids. Yes, Jesus died for your sins and and yeah, we want to follow and obey God, but it stems out of that gospel and that grace and that love. Mm-hmm. It's real easy to fall into the, well, you better you better behave, you better clean your room, you better do this because Jesus is watching you, right? I mean, it's it's the Salen, it, Santa Claus that's, mentality that's what almost. kids understand. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like they, yeah. they understand the concreteness yeah. of right and wrong. I did something, I should be punished, or I did something good, I should be rewarded. And so it's harder for them to understand that gray kind of concept of grace and forgiveness and the gospel. So the the sooner you can have those conversations with them, the better. So it doesn't become more of a black and white, right and wrong kind of mentality. Yeah, I think that's so that's so right. Yeah, I like so struggled to write write it in a way that wasn't like that didn't go off in either direction. But um, I think you're right. That's I think you hit the nail on the head. It's kids understand the things that are concrete and they can understand that they need to obey. And if they do X, Y and Z, they're not going to get in trouble with mom and dad. But understanding that in a context of like flowing out of love for God or, you know, obedience flowing out of love for parents, like that's just not as easy to explain to a kid. And that's not even something they're going to necessarily be able to like comprehend at this stage. But um, 
I, I think you're right. It's still important, even if they can't grasp it, to, to present it as that because a workspace gospel is a false gospel. I've always tried with, with both of my children, when I mess up, mm-hmm. I own up to my, my mistakes mm-hmm. so that they're, you know, even at a younger age, but they're aware, well, he's not perfect. Mm-hmm. He really messed up. He's upset about it. But then I let them see the process of like praying, asking forgiveness, you know, and and the grace that is involved with that. I mean, those are all beautiful and often missed learning opportunities, teaching opportunities to to show your children, because that's the best way that, that will teach our kids any of this about, you know, who Jesus is and what he's done for us is that they see it at work in you. If your children, and, and we said they're perceptive, they're very smart, if they see that Jesus and faith and all that isn't a big deal in your life, even though you're reading them the book or taking them to church, then it's not going to be a big deal to them. If you don't care enough about it, why should they care about it? So, so you know, take those opportunities whenever they come. You, you don't need to be perfect for your children. Again, that's just setting up another falsehood. Mm-hmm. I think it's also important to point out, and Woody talked about this on one of our previous episodes, but this isn't like a, a one and done deal, right? I mean, that'd be fantastic <laughs> if it was that way. You buy the book, you read it to your kids, everybody's golden and good to Fire go. Fire insurance. <laughs> that's right. Like, hey, we're set now. But I mean, this is this is a lifelong process, and, and the book is simply a means to possibly begin that conversation or to continue the conversation. And, you know, the, the big church phrase, right, to plant the seeds in your children <laughs> for the future, you know, all that stuff. So, hey, I got to ask, you know, you said you couldn't fit everything you wanted to into this one book. Like a sequel coming out? Or, I mean, are you going to, like, write systematic theology for children or Calvinism for children? <laughs> I'm given, now, I've given you the idea. Yeah. So I fully you're expect get at right. least something in the dedication <laughs> yeah. there. So does that mean if, if we just throw out ideas now, if they happen to coincide with what she's writing, we get we have to get credit? I think that's... I, I'm just going to warn how, you, it's well, not, she's not a lawyer, making though. the big bucks. <laughs> yeah. You're raking it in. Children's books often said the easiest books to write. I have to disagree with that. Uh, I forget who it was. It was back when like chat boards you know, online were the big thing. You'd post and somebody responded. I forget who it was, but it was an author saying, You're too, y'all are too young, probably. We're too young. Okay. Okay. Derek, you remember those days when there were chat boards online you talked? Anyway, there was an author on there and people kept giving him an I- ideas for books and he's like... Stop. Like you understand, <laughs> I as good as your ideas may be, we can never use them because you said them. And uh, so anyway, I found that interesting. <laughs> it's not even worth the hassle. Yeah, but seriously, do you have any other books planned in your mind? I'm, look, I'm looking forward to the uh, the sequel, uh, The End Times for Me. That's what I'm looking forward down to. With that, yeah. Oh, man. Um, I don't have any plans to write a second book. I didn't have plans to write a first book. Sure. Um, I. I kind of was annoyed that I had to write a book. I wanted to just buy a good one on Amazon and be done with it. I really am like a a lazy mom, you know, in the sense of like, I want to, I don't want to do more than I need to do. And if there's good stuff out there, I want to just use that. So at the moment, I I don't know, I haven't found any other gaps in the literature that has stood out to me. Well, I appreciate that you did it for me. So I I don't have to write a book. So I can just buy your book on Amazon. I now picture her like surfing Amazon, right? That's something else we used to say when the internet came out, ladies. Oh, dear. Yes. Uh, you were you were searching through Amazon and in your frustration, you're just like, I'll do it myself. Then. <laughs> that's, no, pretty much, that's, that's fantastic. I was go- like gospel books for ki- board book gospel. Like there just there was nothing. There's, so. There it is a very limited field out there. So if there, if you know of any, like I, I would I would buy. Those yes, books. yours. Let yes, me know. yours. Absolutely. <laughs> that's that's but the only seriously. way we'll go now. We had Erica on a couple of episodes back and, uh, you know, Christos Bookstore here. If you're in the Rochester area, you could buy the book there. Plenty there. Where else can they find the book? book though 
Um, it's available on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, and if you want special edition, you can get it on my website, brookeshoe.com. I already know oh. the answer, but what is the special edition? <laughs> the special edition is a hardback with gold foil on the cover. looks really nice. So I had to have those printed um, directly so they're not available through Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Fancy. And Look one more that. time, the title is? The title is Good News for Me by Brooke Cashew. <laughs> and illustrated by? Sandra Hergott. There you go. So kind of, you know, we always wrap things up. Number one, I'll ask you, do you have any closing line, something you'd want to let parents know, this is this is why this is important, or this is something to encourage you with? I mean, there's nothing more central to, to life than the gospel. Life does not have meaning without it. And understanding the gospel accurately and completely is the foundation for a life that is not worthless, a life that is honoring to God for, for us and for our children. So there's no, just no greater focus than to understand that. And it's the building block for future glorification. Kind of a, just my closing thoughts here, Derek, I'm stealing it away from you this week. You can have it I next expected week. no less from you. <laughs> next week's after, the, after the last one. Well, you got to take it back. Don't shy away from the hard questions, right? Give honest answers that, that, that aren't watered down and just continue the conversation with them and let your children see you make mistakes and see grace and forgiveness and all that. And, and that, that's how you live it out. That's how you show your children the good news. It's great. Time after time. This was great. See? Brooke, I just loved sitting here and talking to you and listening to your thoughts about this book. I really love reading it to Chandler. So it was cool to hear what, what you do with Vanessa and Harrison. Thanks. But you also love reading Chandler in Nuffle Bunny. Yes, of course. He got he got okay. me those. What are, what, are you guys sneezing into the mic? What is Knuffle Bunny? What is, like Knuffle Bunny? Derek, yeah, I feel like this is a life life tip right for you right now. You go on Amazon and order you some Knuffle Bunny. I by don't Mo actually Williams. know what that is. Oh no, it's a it's a book. It's, it's a adorable. series. There's three books. <laughs> but the bunny is kind of scary. Looking. The bunny is terrifying. <laughs> It looks like that bunny Why was thrown into like this? a radioactive it's vat. It's a loved bunny. It is. The, like the, the the conclusion will have you in tears. It, it will. I promise. It, it really like I read that like I'm reading it to Jacob for the first time. I'm like, oh. Yeah, it's true. Cut off a bunny. Anyway. Taylor, thank you very much for, for putting aside, just momentarily even, your disdain for all things podcast. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> so bad. It wasn't Except so for this bad. one. Except for this Brooke one. made it wonderful. She See, loves, wow. You guys were okay. Aww. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, Ooh. I'm going to so, make a note on the evaluation. So we'll never have her back. Yeah. She's wow. done. Man. Darn. Not, <laughs> In, that was her Insulting the host <laughs> and the co-host is not a good idea etiquette. to get invited back. You're going to see that on the uh, performance <laughs> really review up. at the end of the year, Taylor. I'm very, very disappointed with you. I'm just kidding, just in case this comes back to bite me later. <laughs> Brooke, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and, and, and sharing your heart uh, for the good news and, and with children and for uh, once again, providing us with, with the books to be able to hand out with such short notice, by the way, because as Taylor knows, I texted the wrong book. At first, so <laughs> oh, that, no. was, that was well, Thanks issue. for having me. Thanks You're for letting me well. ramble. Wonderful. So Derek, another episode in the book, end yeah, of we're, April. We're getting good at this. Man, we're basically veterans. Next week is May. We're cruising to the end of season one here. We got about four or five episodes left and the next one, We'll probably want to just be super prepared for the next one. Next week, our guest will be the big man himself, 
That's right. Rick Henderson, pastor, lead pastor, Autumn oh, Ridge Church. I, I just Whoa. realized yeah. I, uh, I'm nope. busy you were <laughs> next on. week. You are not Can't leaving me alone. Here. You're going to be here. And we're going to talk about something that... that uh, wouldn't miss it. He wouldn't miss it. We're going to talk about a, a topic that, that Rick is pretty passionate about. We're pretty passionate about it, too. And uh, it's big church, right? We all know that word, versus kids' church. Um is it better to bring your kids to church with you to worship? Should they go into the you know children's program and worship there? We're going to talk all about that. It's going to be a fantastic episode. And then uh, we got a few more before we wrap up season one. So we hope you will continue to uh, join us. Please leave a review because we're just desperate for love. That's really all there is to it. Like us. Please like us. Follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. Share it with your friends. And uh, well, that's it until next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Parent Podcast. The Parent Podcast is produced by Autumn Ridge Church and Robert Nash. Our sound engineer is Ian Benoit. Our theme song is Silver Skies by Geome. Follow us on Twitter at Parent Podcast or on Instagram at The Parent Podcast. You can email us with questions or topics you would like us to cover at parentpodcast at autumnridgechurch.org. For more information on Autumn Ridge Church, please visit autumnridge.church. Thank you for listening.